Welcome to Work and Play, the podcast of Constanji Brooksmith and Profit, where we discuss employment news and provide practical insights and tips that you can use at your company or in your practice. I'm your host, Bill McMahon, and with me today is my guest, Ron Sarian. Ron, how are you doing? I'm wonderful, Bill. How are you? Doing good. Uh, really excited to be back on the podcast. Uh, we had to take a break in January, uh, primarily due to my trial schedule. Uh, but now we're, we're kind of back and get to do an episode again. And it's a topic uh, that I know you are very excited about um, and one that we don't always necessarily talk about in the HR context, but uh, we're talking cybersecurity today. Um, and, and before we get too deep into that, um, I was wondering if you could just kind of introduce yourself a little bit, Ron, and, and tell us about yourself. Okay. Well, I've had a, I've been very blessed. I've had an amazing and really interesting uh, legal career to date. Uh, I've been quite broad in what I've done in, in law school. I, you know, I clerked for the Small Business Administration. I clerked for the uh, Los Angeles District Attorney's Hardcore Gang Unit, and then I clerked for uh, plaintiff's personal injury firm with Tom Girardi, who you may or may not have heard out, uh, about, but he's quite quite a big player in the uh, in the um, plaintiff's space here in California. Just got into trouble with the state bar. In any event, after I passed the uh, after I passed the bar, I decided I was more suited toward uh, defense. So I, I went to a large uh, defense firm, doing um, you know business real estate construction uh, defect defense, and really enjoying it. And then I got a call one day from a boutique law firm downtown LA, wanting me to go over there and uh, head up their uh, litigation. Uh, department. So I, I went over there and I was there for about 20, uh, 20 years. And I was a partner for 17 years. And then I got a call from eHarmony uh, back in, I think it was 2013. And it was, uh, hey, Ron, you ever think about being general counsel? And um, <laughs> so, it was, so it was a general counsel call, not a, not a dating call, apparently. No, it was not a dating call, no. <laughs> So, so of course, okay. my, yeah, my response was, well, that's bizarre. Uh, no, I'm a trial lawyer. And this this was an acquaintance of mine. And he goes, yeah, I know you're a trial lawyer, but you, you understand, you know, business issues and what's going on in the business world. And we think you'd be a good fit. And, you know, at first I, I said, this is crazy. You know, I'm happy where I'm at. And so I said no at first. And I went home and I I uh, told my wife, I, got, I said, honey, I got the strangest call from uh, – from uh, a friend of ours at uh, over at eHarmony, and uh, you know, asked me if I were int- if I was interested in, in a GC position, and she goes, "What'd you tell him?" I said, "No." She goes, "You're an idiot. <laughs> go, go talk to him." And of course, uh, of course, my my wife is right. You know, I've been married for 36 years now. I've learned that. So um, exactly. So anyway, <laughs> I uh, you know I, I gave him I gave him a call back, and over over. After about six months of talks and negotiations, I got this offer, and I thought, "Well, this this will be really interesting. I'm I'm going to go for it." And so I I, uh, I left my uh, litigation world behind, and I jumped into the world of um, of corporate law. And it was, uh, frankly, the best decision I think I'd ever made in my legal career because uh, the job at eHarmony was just huge. Um, but that makes it super fun and super challenging. And there were so many areas that I needed to get into, you know, of course, in addition to corporate, 
know, there's, there's, you know, intellectual property, trademark, copyright, patent, things of that nature. Exactly. And, uh, right. Yeah, yeah. Things of that nature. And then of course there was all kinds of employment issues that there were, you know, um, uh, uh, litigation issues, class action litigations. We, we'd get hit by patent trolls, uh, you know, things of that nature. But I think one of the biggest areas, and I, and I found one of the most interesting areas for me at eHarmony was getting into um, our cybersecurity because, you know, uh, having been a litigator, I know what happens when, when things aren't done right uh, in general. And I wanted to make sure that, you know, we had the appropriate cybersecurity, you know, in, in place. And of course, I was not a tech person and I still don't claim to be a tech person. I'm, I'm a lawyer, you know, who understands tech, but I understand it only after working at eHarmony. So I sat down with um, a number of the tech people, you know, the our chief of information security, our, our CTO and, and various other people to try to understand what we had in place, you know, to protect our uh, over 60 million um, registered users. And we had a heck of a lot of data. Right, right. I think it was something like 1.6 petabytes at the time, uh, and I'm sure it's 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 more than that now. So I spent, um, so I, I, I thereafter really really got into um, you know cybersecurity uh, and privacy, of course, too, which kind of go hand in hand. They're the flip side of a the same coin, um, and uh, you know, kind of uh, kind of kind of got it on the circuit uh, for you know going around and, and giving talks around the country about you know what you know what we do at eHarmony for cybersecurity and what what best what best practices you know uh, exist for you know for various businesses that uh, that you're in. So um, uh, that's how I got into cybersecurity, and so it was uh, it was great. So I was uh, I was at eHarmony for five wonderful years, uh, and then we. Uh, worked on, you know, selling the company. And then we were acquired in the middle of 2018. I think it closed the end of 2018. But as, as part of that acquisition, you know, we all realized that, uh, you know, the, the, the company who was acquiring us wanted to completely run, run eHarmony out of uh, Berlin and that we'd all be, um, you know, looking for other jobs. But it's okay. You know, uh, it's just part of the uh, part of the territory when you're a GC or you're in the C-suite. So we worked out this, right. we worked out this great deal and we all, we all did well. And uh, we all sadly left eHarmony. Uh, and so uh, I, I was then literally within a week or so after leaving eHarmony, I was asked by another friend uh, to um, become general counsel for a blockchain crypto startup company called Oil R. And that was also kind of a bizarre, out of you know, completely out of left field call that I got. And it was, hey, Ron, do you know anything about crypto? <laughs> I said, interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I said, you know, I, I think it's super interesting. I think it's a, I think it's an area that's going to be huge. I said, I've attended a lot of uh, webinars on it. I've done a lot of reading on it. I'm not going to tell you I'm the, you know, the world leader expert on it. I'm going to tell you I'm a lawyer, but I do probably understand more than than most other lawyers do about about the space. And he said, well, great. We'd like you to be GC for our startup. And so I, I kind of jumped over there and I, I worked with them on, uh, on the white paper and I gave them a very detailed SEC analysis as to how to best raise, you know, best raise funds. And, you know, like a Reg D 506C uh, accredited investor and then a Reg S a foreign investor. And so we set out on that area and we, uh, we got our, our investment brief together and we started uh, started going that down that route and the CEO decided he just wanted to try to give it a rest. So it, you know, we, we gave it a rest a bit concurrently. Uh, 
um, I uh, got a job with Constangi. So uh, I knew uh, Ken Solzer because, you know, uh, I had met Ken Solzer when I was GC at uh, Eddie Harmony and we, we became uh, we became friends. Good guy. Um, in any event, we, we started talking and I, you know, I, I came to Constangi to try to um, build up the, uh, you know, privacy, cybersecurity aspects of the practice, which were really not prominent, uh, you know, for, for Constangi at the time and we're. You know, it's my job to try to make them uh, more prominent. So, right. here I am. Here I am at Constangi, and I'm I'm living the dream right now. I, uh, wow. I love what I'm doing, and I've had a super interesting, <laughs> super interesting career thus far. So, I I, I I appreciate you covering that detail because I think there's some <laughs> aspects of your particular background uh, that you know a lot of folks listening can relate to. Um, obviously, um, well, first of all. Uh, we're obviously happy to have you at Constangi. Um, but I, I think, you know, with your focus on these cybersecurity issues, um, I, I want to talk about them today, kind of from an HR perspective, if you will. I, I like your comment from a couple minutes, a uh, couple minutes background when you were saying that uh, you're not a tech guy, but you're a lawyer that understands the tech. Um, yeah, I, I, it's a really, it's a really good statement because I feel like a lot of these issues, uh, folks have, you know, there's a certain kind of, uh, intimidation maybe about them because people feel like, oh, well, I, I don't know enough to really contribute, or I don't really know enough to dig into this and learn about it. Um, it, it, it's, it sounds like to me, that's not really the case. Like if you want to learn about it, you can learn about it and, you know, and be a resource to your company you know, even if you're in say HR or if you're an, an employment attorney, is that, is that uh, right? I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think it's critical for every attorney to, to learn as much as they can about uh, cybersecurity and privacy. Cause these are both areas that are, you know, rapidly expanding and it's, it's, it's critically important uh, for uh, frankly, everybody, let alone attorneys, but certainly attorneys to understand, and especially GCs to have a good understanding of what's going on, because if something goes south and you're hit with a data breach or something, ultimately uh, this all falls in my humble opinion, and, and at least at a smaller company, this will all fall on the GC's lap. I mean, the GC is going to have to immediately get right. involved if there's a breach or ransomware. The GC is going to have to try to oversee everything. So to the extent that you can uh, retain, you know, attorney client privilege, and that's certainly not guaranteed as a GC, but you, you know, to the extent you can do that, and that is by saying you're, you're, you're getting involved for the purpose of offering legal advice in anticipation of litigation, the GC needs to be involved. And then if there's, you know, if ultimately there has to be, if it's determined that it's a reportable breach, you know, the GC is going to have to get involved in the announcement. It takes a lot of lawyering because you have to understand the data breach laws uh, in your particular area. And let me just back backtrack for one second. And I, I kind of forgot to mention this. Uh, I was also just that about three months ago asked to be um, a professor at USC Gould School of Law and Information Privacy. And so um, I'm teaching. Nice. So you're so you're teaching this stuff now as well. Then is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm also. Nice. <laughs> I've certainly got my hands full. So, but you know, it's 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 a, as I said, it's a rapidly developing area of the law. It's super interesting, and, and it's just something lawyers uh, lawyers need uh, need to to know so they can properly uh, at least understand you know what's what's going on out there, and certainly the right. GC need to understand this. You know, I, I know that when I was 
Eddie Harmony, and this is, you know, back in, well, from 2013 to 2018, you know, right. I, talk to, I would talk to other GCs and I'd say, so, you know, what's, what do you know about, you know, your, your cybersecurity? Like, I've got no idea about that. That's a, that's the CTO's job or that's the InfoSec person's job. And it's like, well, that's not really true because you get hit and it's going to be your job <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. So right. it's, and it's been very interesting. Yeah. And, right. and now, and, and so I was going to say, and building off of that point for a second, as far as it, you know, being maybe ultimate, uh, you know, authority and responsibility falling on a, on the internal legal department, perhaps. I would imagine also for those folks listening to the podcast that are in human resources, um, not necessarily in the legal department, but you know, whether they're an HR manager or an your human resources supervisor, for example. Uh, what I'm seeing more and more is companies, uh, you know, working with uh, human resources on these issues and not just making cybersecurity, you know, an IT department issue. Um, can, can you speak to that a little bit just in terms yeah, of it, like, does that make sense? It's really a, a company-wide issue. Every single yeah. person, as I indicated earlier, every single person at the company really should uh -huh. understand some some fundamentals. I know that at eHarmony, you know, we had onboarding uh, for uh, all new hires, and in, in one of the areas, of course, probably the most important area of onboarding is understanding, you know, uh, some, some some cyber hygiene, and in, in particular, you know, as it relates to you know phishing, which is you know pretty much right now the biggest area you know as to how how the bad guys get into systems either to plant malware or to plant you know uh, data wipers or, or you know some type of advanced persistent threats to, to you know conduct industrial espionage or whatever and so it's critical for really everybody at, at a company to be educated and I think most companies are doing that now I know at, at Constangi, you know we have a good you know we have a good system whereby you know everybody's required to um, go through these uh, modules and, you know, one of them relates to cybersecurity and they, they give good instruction as to how to spot a phishing attempt. Of course, the bad guys get better and better and more right. clever, but, uh, uh, you know. Right, in the modules, you mean like, you know, training modules, for example, right? Exactly, exactly. Training okay. modules, so, so, they have them for, for harassment, they have them for cybersecurity, they have them for a yep. lot of different areas. So we have an excellent uh, number of training modules we're using at eHarmony. Well, we had good ones at eHarmony too, but at Constangi, I should say so. Right, yeah. right. So from a human resources standpoint, in other words, I mean, folks there, you know, that are, that are listening, that are in HR, they can play a major role in, uh, yeah, I would imagine coordinating with IT to make sure those modules are actually, you know, being viewed by people and, and, uh, you know, absorbed, if you will. Right. I mean, because modules are great if they, if, but they're even better if people actually listen to them and use them. Right. Well, that's right. That, that's absolutely right. right. And, and the way these modules are structured is they do give you tests and you do have to pass the tests. And if you don't, you go back. And so right. at least the ones ones we're currently using at Constangia are really quite good. Um, right. And, and, and I'm sure they're available, you know, to anybody who wants to um, to purchase them. But uh, right. that's really critically important because, as I said, the, the biggest way the bad the bad guys get into your system is through business email compromise uh, or phishing attacks. Yeah, so I was actually gonna go. Uh, I was actually gonna go to that for a second. You mentioned phishing. 
um, and and as phishing kind of being one of the the biggest cybersecurity threats out there. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming we're not talking about uh, going over to the pier and throwing a line <laughs> into the water, right? <laughs> yeah, well, phishing. We're, is, we're talking yeah. something else. So, so can yeah. you can you just give us a brief definition of phishing and you know, kind of talk about what you're seeing currently on that? Well, there there are many types of phishing. Um, you know, there, there's what's what's referred to as spear phishing, where someone basically attempts to take on the identity of, uh, for example, like a CEO or someone above uh, most other people. And uh, they, uh, they ask, uh, they'll ask an accounting department, for example, to give them the W-2s of every single employee because they're considering a, you know, a salary increase. And I know that happened, uh, you know, when I was at eHarmony, that happened to uh, Snapchat, uh, at the time. And uh, I, I remember reading an article about that. And what happened was that somebody who claimed to be the CEO wrote to someone into in their, uh, I think it was a CFO they wrote to basically saying, you know, I'm doing a, I'm doing a salary review. Please send me the W-2s of every single employee. And that CFO thought it was a CEO he was talking to and he'd send them all, uh, it was all out to a hacker. It was a major, a major data breach. And, right. and I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so happy that I'd read that because I, I went home that evening, and uh, and I I composed an email to everybody at eHarmony saying, "Look out for this." And believe it or not, the very next day <laughs> we got an identical attack at eHarmony, and uh, you know, uh, one of the uh, one of the women in our accounting department came in and said, "Ron, I, I just got this email. Um, my gosh." this is what you were talking about when you sent that email out last night. I so, said, oh, so no, I mean, that's a good what? sign too, that, that people are actually reading your emails, you know? Yes. You know, and I thought, <laughs> boy, boy, did I luck out that I just happened to write that email because exactly someone, someone wrote in claiming to be Neil Clark Warren, who was our CEO. And he was asking for W2s from the accounting department. Right. <laughs> and so, right. And so, so, so with, I lucked out on that. So anyway, Oh, absolutely. Um, it, so I was saying, so it, so from a spear phishing standpoint, you literally have, it sounds like an outsider um, impersonating, right? Someone in the company pretending to be him or her uh, right. and trying to communicate with others in the company, you know, as a, uh, you know, for, for means of getting information and data that they're not otherwise entitled to. Right. And there's also spoofing yep. where they actually are able to, to duplicate the actual address. I mean, usually when there's, uh, you know, these spear phishing, they'll have some uh, address that looks very similar to something at, uh, at, at your company. And so you don't really think twice about it. Spoofing, they actually are able to obtain, uh, you know, duplicate address. And so one way to get around that, I mean, there, there's a software now that basically states, and we, we, we uh, use this software at eHarmony states, whether this is actually coming internally or it's actually from an external source. So and there's, oh, a, yeah. there's a band across, yeah. the, across the email that basically says, this is, this is an external source. And so you immediately put your red flag up. And so, um, you know, that's good. And then of course, it, that's how you really stop it, that in, in education. But then there's also, um, you know, the, the most, I guess widely used, which is a business email compromise, where you get a you get an email that that looks legitimate. For example, it'll say you know FedEx tried to deliver a package but was unable to do so. Please click here to find details. And he's oh oh my gosh, you don't even think about it. You click on that, and and guess what? Then they just planted uh, malware on your machine. Which oh uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which, I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say the low, the low hanging fruit in terms of these uh, hacker opportunities has got to be 
you know, the random links and text messages and emails, which you want to avoid at all costs. That's right. Um, and and, and yeah. the text messaging, they, they call smishing SMS. <laughs> Instead of phishing, they call it smishing. Because the SMS <laughs> right. is the text message. And, and there's also vishing, which is, you know, um, when they leave voicemail messages say, you know, saying something like, you know, your, your insurance expired, please call us. And, and then they try to get your try to get your personal information, you know, uh, login information with regard to a particular website or whatever. So they're very smart because they do this by, by, you know, really social engineering. They're looking at your social media, they're determining what you like, what you're interested in. And then they, 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 they mount these uh, pretty sophisticated attacks, which just get people, you know, um, usually when their guards down. And so the, the, the right, key right. is to, to make sure everybody's got their guard up and they don't fall for these, um, these um, phishing attacks, but that right. is actually the biggest area right now is through phishing, and, and 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 the biggest, most profitable area, of course, is ransomware, where they, you know, whether when somebody clicks on a link, well, they they've just encrypted your entire database. Right, and I, before, real quick, before we shift into ransomware, because I do want to talk about that, uh, I real, I just want to emphasize, I really like your point on on the phishing side of things, on having a way to determine when you, when an email comes in, um, if the email address is internal or external to your organization. Um, I think that's a really good point. And a point that, to your, you know, to your point is can be easily overlooked, especially if people are in a hurry responding to emails as we all are. Um, right. All of us don't have enough time in the day. We might not even give it a second thought if we see an email from someone we know internal in the organization. But if there's a flag that says, hey, this is an email address that's external, uh, you know, your your uh, antenna should definitely be going off there and saying, wait a minute, something is wrong here, right? Yep, yep. Yeah. I think that's, that's a critical I, piece of uh, software that every company ought to be implementing. Yeah, that's that, that's an awesome point. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, yeah, so you mentioned, okay, you know, so yeah, there's these phishing attacks uh obviously gathering information that way but then kind of another whole angle to cybersecurity that needs to be considered and protected against is ransomware um can you basically just kind of give us an overview of what ransomware is and then i want to kind of drill down and talk about some of the particulars on that well sure i mean as as i, as I just indicated Ransomware is is a a malware that that's uh, in, inserted into your system, usually through a phishing attack. But it could be by weak credentials. Somebody can get your credentials, and they can sign in as you and plant malware on your system. It could be right. planted by a, a malicious insider, someone at the company who's ticked off at the company for for whatever reason. But but typically the way it works is that uh, it goes into the system and encrypts your files, and 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 the uh, the the uh, the hacker is not going to give you the you know the decryption key until you pay some sort of ransom, and uh, and and it's been very very profitable. I mean, uh, ransomware had a fifty-seven fold increase uh, since twenty fifteen. Last year there was uh, you know estimated, and of course this, we don't know exactly, but it was estimated right. there were twenty over twenty billion dollars of ransomware paid out. You know, the average payment in 2019 was something like 115,000, and just about doubled in 2020 to like 300. Uh, I think it was 312,000, and then uh, I just looked up the number now. 2021, it was 570,000. This is per ransomware, <laughs> per ransomware attack, and of course, 
these are a lot of big companies. I mean, they're not seeking that kind of money out of the smaller companies. But you know, if your if your data is if your if all your data has been encrypted, you have an issue. And so, so one of the best things to do, you know, preliminarily, uh, is to back up all your data. And absolutely, yeah, and to encrypt all your data to the extent it's reasonably. Um, uh, practical to, to do it. I mean, you know, encryption slows things down and causes some issues, but to the extent you can encrypt your data, it's going to, uh, you know, s- stop, stop this, uh, you know, from, from taking place uh, t- to some extent. And it also shields you from legal liability. Cause I know in California, for example, you know, if your mm-hmm. data is encrypted, you're not necessarily going to be responsible for a breach. It's only for unencrypted data and different States have different laws on that, but right. So, right. Like so, so two things, th- those are very important. Um, right. So in other words, if, if let, let, let's say there's a ransomware attack on your company, um, and through that, you know, some, some data is compromised and, and obtained right by an outside party. Yeah. If the data is encrypted, um, basically from what I'm hearing you say is it's really of no use, uh, it, well, in terms of readability, in terms of learning anything from the data for the outside party, uh, assuming they don't have the, any sort of a key to break the encryption code. Correct. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, yeah correspondingly to your point on the data breach, that, that makes some sense to me that it wouldn't necessarily be a data breach if the data uh, at issue here was encrypted data, because again, you know, through that encryption, you're still protecting, you know, people's personal information. Right. And, and, and the laws right. define it that way too, at least in California, right. if it's encrypted. Yeah, you know, data breach is defined in California as basically the unauthorized acquisition of unencrypted data um, that compromises the security of personal information. And so unencrypted. So if it's encrypted, you're not going to fit into that data, you know, into the definition of a data breach there. But again, it's, it's going to vary based upon state. Right. No, that d- definitely, definitely. And and this is this is definitely one of those areas I would imagine where since we don't right now have a kind of a, a central federal law that, that governs all of the cybersecurity stuff, we're going to have a lot of nuance on a state by state basis, I would imagine. Uh, yes, but they're all, there, there is, there is nuance, but they're all relatively similar. Right. Uh, but different right. states do have different requirements and different definitions of what they consider uh, a data breach. Right. Uh, please follow us, rate us, and leave us a written review on iTunes or wherever else you get your podcast episodes uh, so that other you know folks can know about our show. And we hope you tune in again in a few weeks.